Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. With me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week, new data from the ONS tells us that we have record high employment in the UK. I nearly said unemployment then, totally no, the wrong message. Those days are gone, hopefully. However, the figures also show a rise in so-called zero-hours contracts and more than 5 million people working for themselves. Guitar maker Fender has been fined £4.5 million in the UK after it admitted breaking competition laws by preventing retailers from discounting online prices for its instruments. And Coca-Cola's head of sustainability... What a, what a job, eh? It's quite a big job, isn't yeah. it? Um, has said that the company will not ditch single-use plastic bottles because consumers still want them. And this week, we're not talking about any of those things. We're talking about social media influence, influencers. And that was inspired by our profile of the young Grace Beverly a couple of weeks ago. So social media influencers, Heather, um, it's something that's relatively um, new to us and I imagine that there's a good swathe of the people on the lists that you've got that aren't targeting me and you. I think it's fair to say that we are so on the back, well certainly me, on the back foot with this. Um, I mean the lists of people, I mean there are some, starting with the who's the most followed person on the planet do you want me to answer that because you told me the answer yeah i want you to answer it who is it who is Uh, it cristiano ronaldo yeah footballer okay he i get that he you know he does a thing but where i some of the names apart from the fact i've never heard of them um what are they famous for famous for being a social media influencer it's a job I know, but no, <laughs> I just find it, it's such a massive subject. Yeah. I find it incredible. So I look for a definition just to, okay, to pin good. it down. Um, and the social media, so well, an influencer in general is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others. Generally, they have a particular niche. So Ronaldo, football. Yeah. Um, presumably, he may have other niches uh, within his um, influence as well. However, a a social media influencer uses social relationship assets and they collaborate with brands to help them to achieve their marketing objectives. So the majority of influencers are found fit into the following category. Celebrities, industry experts and thought leaders, bloggers and content creators and micro influencers. And actually now, the bulk of social media influencer marketing is from micro-influencers and blogging. And they're people you have between sort of five and 50,000 followers, is it? Is that I, I, a micro-influencer? Or? Oh, micro-influencers, yeah, they're, they're not the celebs. So, I mean, they might start off as micro-bloggers and um, uh, micro-influencers. But actually what they do is their whole thing is about building an authentic and active relationship with their fans so that they build their own brand and then use that to help companies with their brand as well. So it's like endorsements from them and mentioning them as well. So companies are now looking to use influencer marketing. A lot of them are using it very Mm -hmm. successfully. And it's it's a type of social media marketing where you've got these influencers doing the recommendations as opposed to the company 
just doing their posts on social media or putting their own content in social media. So it seems like it's um, it's worth a lot of money. According to Adweek, the industry is likely to reach $10 billion worth in 2020. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm old enough to remember a time where product placement came in, you know, in terms of when we didn't have social media, you know, when TV was pretty much, TV and cinema yeah. were the only places where so you'd get adverts at the cinema. But the idea that somebody would be drinking a can of Coca-Cola and it clearly being a can of Coca-Cola in um, a, a drama was unheard of. Everything was all covered up. You know, you'd never... On Blue Peter, they wouldn't be making a space rocket out of a bottle of fairy liquid. You know, it would oh, be yeah. a, a well-known household dishwashing detergent, you know, and all of that sort of thing. And now it's it's the complete opposite. It's The product is everywhere and the person using that product is, you know, and here I am using XYZ magical potion or whatever. So it's a real shift uh, and people are now monetizing it. Yeah, and and I think companies are using it. And I think it's quite important if you're a company that's considering going down that route that you actually do your research because as with any marketing, you've got to get it right. Otherwise, you can throw a whole lot of money into a big, deep hole. Uh, So there's a number of different resources you can use. But uh, I found a really interesting article on SproutSocial.com and it explains from a company's point of view how you can use influencer marketing. And uh, essentially, they, they say their tips are essentially do your research yeah. and keep track of it. So find out about social media influencers as the first one before you launch into it. Um, how do you find them and how do you pay them? So do your research, set a budget, come up with a strategy and have clear goals and message. Find your influencers and contact them and then review and change and track. So it's very similar to any other marketing budget because you've got to be very clear. If you're going to hire somebody to give your message out, you've got to have your rules very clear as to what they can and can't do and the sort of things that you would expect. But I and I, I think that's, that's right. But where it has the potential to become really problematic is if that individual then does something because you're basically... Yeah. It's, you're hanging everything, not everything, but you're hanging a lot on a person. Yeah, and that person goes off and does something that's completely off-brand for you. They fall out of a nightclub, absolutely stoned, or they, you know... It might work for some companies. Well, well, yeah, there you go. Then you you run the risk, uh, you're investing in that individual, and if they've got a huge profile, then, you know, night follows day, and good sometimes, you know, good sometimes follows bad or vice versa and did you know that we had a, a, a um, social media influencer right here in Wrexham Heather go on so it uh, used to be a YouTube star and now he's, he's mainly focusing on Twitter and he's known as bootlegger uh, his real name is Carl Phillips and uh, he's he's described in an article that I read in, on, the website is the South so he's he's known far and wide. He's known as an influential football vlogger, and uh, last year seen a meteoric rise. He's affect- uh, affectionately known as the captain, and he he leads a team of fans. He's got over two hundred thousand followers, and um, his his clips have been shared by some 
other influential social media types. And it, it's, his following has just grown and grown. It's, but he's even got his own range of merchandise now. So he's got mugs, Christmas jumpers, pint glasses. All the obvious things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah indeed. So he's based here in Wrexham. Yep. And he... He's a football fan. Yeah, who used to post videos uh, about football matches. I think he wore like one of those tin tin hats, like the army tin hats. Okay. Um, I don't know a lot about the YouTube, but I've I've been following him a little bit on Twitter. And and what I was reading about him was that he's built his business, he's crafted a business and a reputation by staying precisely on brand, because the fans know what they're going to get. He's He's drinking pints, he's telling stories, um, and he's portraying himself. And yes, he's he's perhaps playing a part, playing up for the crowd, you would imagine. But he's authentic. He's authentically being himself. And he, he puts his, um, he's posting on Twitter all the time. So the local social media influencer. It'd be very interesting to see. He's not your typical one. So we were talking about Grace Beverly, 22-year-old, yeah, yeah. bright young thing, Um I'm not being disparaging here, but you're you're not 22 anymore. Um, so boot, bootleg is a different type of yeah, influencer. Yeah, appealing to a different yeah. a different group. And then there's obviously the YouTubers. I had a um, there was an article popped up last week on the Sun that was talking about how much people can earn for certain videos. None of these people I'd heard of at all. But YouTuber as as a job as a source of income, it came onto my radar about three and a half years ago I was at my daughter's primary school leavers service and they were having this lovely emotional video where all the the children that were moving to high school were saying what jobs they wanted to do when they got older and at least a third of the class went I want to be a YouTuber and I was like oh my god that's a job and I'm looking at it now and it certainly seems to be a job. Um, I was just looking at one of the guys in the article, Paul Kowski. Um, one of his videos has had 150 million views. And it's um, it's been reported that he earned £75,000 for that one video. This is fab. And at the risk of sounding like a dinosaur, yes, it's a new thing. And that's, that's absolutely great. But how... How long can you continue this? You know, it must be, it must have a life cycle, mustn't it? Because as we as we've said, I mean, okay, bootlegger, um, he, you know, he's probably positioning himself fine, so that you know he could probably do thirty more years of this. If, yeah, you know, if he got thirty more years in him after drinking pints all the time, but who knows? <laughs> but um, but you know, Grace Beverly. You know, yeah. as a, as a twenty, she might have to reconsider where she's positioning yeah. herself. Yeah, because as you evolve and change, you know, she might she might become a mum, or she might become a this, or she might become a that, or she might. So, where? Yeah, where do you go with this? I stuff? guess, and with with any business, you have to keep your eye on your audience, yeah. don't you, and see where you need to yeah, yeah. evolve to. Interesting uh, that I found out last year that a friend of mine's niece got a really interesting job she works for a big company a big brand leader and uh, her job is looking after influencers right okay. and I thought actually thought her job is probably a lot more stable yeah. than the influencers that yeah, she's yeah. looking after yeah but again who would have thought of that as as being a job well even well, I don't know even. I mean, I, I was looking at TikTok, right? So this is the sort of video social media, isn't it? Yeah. And and a lot of the top rated people on TikTok, uh, it's sort of, oh, you know, who are they and what, how did they come to, to rise? And a lot of it is lip syncing to other people's songs. 
<laughs> well, I do that all the time. I mean, well, we need to video you. Heather. Well, <laughs> what have we got coming? We've got Word Up by Cameo coming up in the playlist next. Right. So, uh, yeah, okay. Sh- shall we do a little video? Yeah, probably. Can you do the dance as well? I need, well, I, yeah, I think I probably need a little <laughs> bit of rehearsal time. But, but you know, again, who would have thought that? So, actually, you've positioned yourself because you can mime to somebody else's song on video in your bedroom, and the whole world love it. Not yeah. the whole world. A lot of people love it. And you can make money from that. Exciting times. Shall we have word up and then I'll, I will video you, Heather? Yeah, OK. <laughs> I won't promise I'll post the <laughs> results. And in other news this week, uh, Facebook have announced that they're going to create a thousand new jobs in the UK. Um, based in London... The roles are predominantly going to be around policing posts on social media. This is one of those things that um, is really, you know, increasing in terms of what are people posting, how are they using social media. Um, And of course, that includes Facebook, Facebook Messenger, Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, And Amazon, on a more local scale, have announced that they are going to be opening an office in Manchester. Uh, So... These big guys are coming to town and and creating jobs um, in the tech sector, which is absolutely fantastic. And that kind of fed into an article that I saw um, where it was on the BBC. And sorry, it was it was on the was it on the BBC? No, sorry, I've got I've missed the story now. It's about legislation in terms of. Uh, artificial intelligence artificial intelligence and the use of data uh and where here we go it's the boss from google sorry i've got that <laughs> I was many just stories if you tapping furiously no 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 it's sorry <laughs> it's the boss <laughs> it's the boss from google <laughs> and he um is calling for regulation on artificial intelligence oh, right. and the way that it's used sorry i've got so many tech stories floating around on my laptop at the minute um and and that also coincides with there's been talk around, you know, face recognition. You know, you only have to look at your phone yeah. now and it and it opens. Um, and there are... Not mine. Not yours. <laughs> no. No, well, but there are some concerns around that and what the potential um, for abuse of that might be. Um, and I, I don't know whether that will turn into something or not because do you remember when um, using retina... Um, identity for opening doors and passports and all, and all sorts of things and um, there's there was some concern about that fingerprint access where people can start cutting people's fingers off to uh, mm. you know to break into buildings and things like that so i don't know if it's a if it's a nothing but certainly more and more makes um, me think of the film mission impossible then with the face recognition because it can do amazing things with those rubber masks on mission impossible <laughs> I think things have moved on a little bit since then. Okay. Yeah. What other news have you got, Tracy? <laughs> Hopefully you do a better job of it than me. <laughs> Mine's about pubs. Oh, uh, good on you. So there's a publication on um, the ONS website this week called Economies of Ale. Oh, See what very I did there. See what good. I did. And it, it's a report on the changes in UK pubs and bars sector from 2001 to 2019 really interesting and there's an interactive bit at the end is that where you just go to the pub and drink (laughs) i hadn't thought of that level of interaction but now you mention it so the number of small pubs and bars in the uk has increased for the first time in more than 15 years and um the latest data shows that um 
small pubs and bars, that is those with fewer than 10 employees, increased by 85 in 2019. So that's a 0.4% increase. But that follows more than 15 years of closures. So that's actually a real big positive. Now, the overall number of pubs and bars in the UK increased by 315, which is a 0.8% increase between 2018 and 2019. And that is the first increase in a decade. Wow. So it's, it's actually quite significant. Um, pub and bar enterprises now employ more people serving food than people working behind the bar. And in 2003, bar staff made up roughly four in ten employees. And those serving up food... Uh, and that includes the chefs, the waiting on staff, the kitchen and other catering staff, made up roughly 3 in 10. But since 2016, the opposite has been true, and the the people serving food has outnumbered those working behind the bar. And um, certain pubs, you you might know where that's absolutely true, how hard is it to actually get Get a, a a, a drink behind the bar. Yeah. And there is a long-term trend towards people spending more of their household income on eating and less on drinking out. So the the emphasis is moving more towards the food side of the business. And um, real turnover in the latest year of data is at its highest level since the end of the financial crisis of 2007 to 2008. Turnover in the pub and bar sector has increased by 847 million. That's 3.8 percent in 2017. So it's it's a bit of an upward trend. It's looking a lot better than it has done for a year. It may be bouncing back after years of net closures. So need to keep an eye on that. But like I said, a level of interactivity in this report. You can put in your postcode. And it will tell you what the pub sector is like in your authority. So I put in my postcode and it says in your local authority, Wrexham, there are around 5.9 pubs per 10,000 people. And that is similar to the UK average. There are now 50 fewer pubs in Wrexham than in 2001. So in 2001, there were 130 pubs and 2019, there were 80 pubs. And in Wrexham, there are around 800 jobs in pubs and bars. And this is 20% lower in 2001. So I thought that was a really interesting little article. ONS at its best, where they take the raw data and they shape it into a really useful article. But the interactivity bit, oh, I love that. You can go there and you can find the link for that on our website, which is the business.community. Put your postcode in, find out how pubs are doing in your area. In the review section of the show, um, in a moment, I want to share a book with you that I've discovered that I think is really helpful. But I want to just revisit the Evernote thing. Oh, yes. You know, I said um, my bullet journaling isn't going terribly well, but the Evernote thing is working really well for me now. Oh. So I'm loving it, despite my little inability to find the news story that I wanted to cover a moment Was ago. Was that in Evernote? Yes. But what's fantastic is that I can ask my phone to email a reminder to Evernote, which is fantastic. Uh, I can save articles. So I've got the web clipper on my laptop and on my phone now. And what are you laughing at? What, what's happening Sorry, under the desk? I jumped across the studio because I felt something tickling my foot and thought it was a spider. And was it the cable it from your headphones? headphone cable. Sorry, continue. Okay, no, that's okay. <laughs> 
was quite funny because I thought, well, I don't think I've said anything funny, and yet you were giggling. <laughs> You'd freaked yourself out. Yeah, sorry. Evernote. <laughs> anyway, back to being very professional, as we usually are. Um, yeah, so... So just to say that having tried it several times, it seems now to be working for me. Is it embedded into your working it's, practice? Do you know, it's, it, I think it is. Because anytime something happens, I think, oh, right. Yeah, I'll pop that in Evernote. So whether I put it as a reminder, whether I save it. Now I've got the hang, the hang of the notebooks and the tabs, uh, tags and stuff like that. I think it will improve even further. But, but yeah, I'm... Okay. I'm enjoying it. I'm we using it. Back in. And your bullet journal has been consigned to the No, it hasn't waistband. been consigned. No, um, but it's just not, it's not having, it's not working how I thought it would. But I think it could work on pro, on a project basis. Yeah. But just not on an everyday basis. Yeah. It doesn't seem to, if I go to meetings, I want to wanna be making meeting notes and I don't know. I don't know if it's to do with me wanting it to be tidy. And yet in a meeting, I write all sorts of messy stuff. I don't know. Okay. But anyway. We shall revisit Evernote in a few more weeks. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, so far, if you, if you were not sleeping, wondering how I was getting on with Evernote, <laughs> it's going okay, thanks. Great. But the book I have um, is a book that, well, it's unusual, isn't it, to find a book that is, um, you know, would be in the personal development section, but it's actually about, um, it's called Unlocking Potential, and it's about unlocking potential in others. Very okay. often we read a book, and it's about our own personal development for our own benefit in our working role or our personal lives or whatever. This is actually about coaching so if you're not a coach but you need to coach your team and bring out the best in your team uh, then this is the book for you it's by a guy called Michael Simpson Michael K Simpson I don't know if the K is relevant um, and uh, it's called Unlocking Potential Seven Coaching Skills That Transform Individuals Teams and Organizations it's an American book um, but it talks about in very it's, I mean it's not a huge book it's it's nicely laid out. The language is easy to follow. You know, they're not bombarding you with references as to methodologies and stuff like that. It's giving you the hard facts, the four principles of coaching, uh, and then seven coaching skills. So things that you need to do in terms of building trust, challenging thinking, um, getting clarity, giving feedback, uh, tapping into people's talent, etc. So, I think it. I think it's a great book to have on your bookcase if you are a manager, if if you're new to management, if you want to develop your staff and you're not quite sure how best to do that, then yeah, there are a million books you could read. But this is very practically about how do you get the most out of those people. Um, so I think it's a cracking book. Uh, it's not a chunky book, is it? No, no, it's not. It's what, where are we? 150 pages. Um, a lot of it is based on we've talked about Stephen Covey uh, before his son uh, is referred to a lot in here Michael uh, and is it Michael or Mark anyway M Covey M Covey yeah um, so he's referred to but, but as I say what I like about it is that there's not loads and loads of uh, you know in this theory so and so says and blah. it's practical easy to digest guidance on how to coach those people and bring out the best in them. 
Okay, that looks good. I'll put a link to that um, and everything else that we talk about in this section on our website, thebusiness.community. What have you got, Tracy? So I found a book um, that was related to our topical subject about social media. And uh, it's called 500 Social Media Marketing Tips by a social media consultant from Swansea called Andrew McCarthy. It's been going for quite a number of years, but he updates it regularly. So if you're considering getting this, I would suggest you get the digital version. Um, and the, the print version, um, there's all sorts of freebies that come with it as well. So perhaps he provides the updates to that. But it's it covers everything you could want to, to know about social media. I've had a, a quick read through it covers Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube, Snapchat, and presumably the next thing comes along next year. Next year's update will include mention of that. Um, it, but it's good. I like it. I mean, I guess one of the things is you might not be interested in all of those areas of social media. And, and so you might just want specific information about how to manage Facebook. But if you're responsible for the social media marketing strategy of a business, then you need to know what's available to you, really. You might just be choosing Facebook because that's all you know. But maybe Pinterest or Instagram or TikTok is the thing for you. And this book is really good. It gives a really good overview of each of it's them. It's much broader. It's giving you context. Don't just hone in on one. Look at it as part of a broader picture. Yeah, and it does say in the book, actually, um, you need to choose it. A one or two that really work for you but my, my thinking is unless you know what they are how can you choose yeah. so you, you want to think about what's going to suit your marketing your audience and, and what you're actually trying to achieve and I actually believe that this book gives you the information you need to make those choices and not to make a really expensive mistake um, so he, he gives you general advice about planning social media marketing, the sorts of things that we, we've talked about a couple of weeks about, um, about having calendars, looking ahead, you know, what sort of things can you attach your content to through mm. the year and making sure that you've got smart goals for your social media content and being personal and, um, you know, how to build a relationship but not over-promoting and how to get that balance right. So he talks about that changing your mindset from what can we sell you to what can we do to help you. Yeah. And so some really, really sound advice there. And then he goes into the specifics on each individual type of um, um, social media that there is, as well as talking about the best type of content to use. So it's a really detailed book and I really liked it. Um, it it's Social media marketing isn't something I'm doing right at the moment but I think about a few years ago when I was involved in that that something like this would, would have actually been quite useful to know he talks about how to take advantage of stories that are happening and how to use video content um, and I've, I've had a quick look through Facebook and Twitter because that's what I use now um, but I was also interested in obviously talking about uh, Snapchat and TikTok because they are things that are relatively new to me that um, that my kids use on a regular basis. Um, but he was saying that TikTok has become the defining social media app of Generation Z. So if you're into social media marketing for your business and your target market is Generation Z, you need to be getting into these things. 40% um, of the app's users are aged between 16 and 24. And uh, if you didn't know what TikTok 
is. It's a short form video app. Uh, it describes its mission as to inspire creativity and bring joy. And it's all about giving users innovative tools and a platform to express themselves creatively and authentically. So um, there's filters um, and camera effects and there's a library of music that you can use as well. So I would highly recommend it. I, th I think it's a really well-researched, well-written book that's got a, a real wide coverage and, you know, sort of it, it will cover most things about social media that you need to know. Maybe if you need to dive deeper on any one of them, you might might choose to get a, a different book. But I would say if, if you're not sure what to do, this is definitely the book for you. Mm, fantastic. So, so that's called 500 Social Media Marketing Tips by Andrew McCarthy. And Heather, will put the link for that on our blog, which comes with our podcasted version of the show. And that's on our website, thebusiness.community. You're listening to The Business Community on Callan FM. And if you go to our Facebook page, The Business Community, <laughs> <laughs> I've been very naughty. We did take a video of Heather's um, lip syncing and dancing to Cameo's Word up earlier on in the show. And uh, I did share the video. But listen, you didn't get my express permission. No, listen, folks, if, if you're going to do that sort of thing, make sure you get the... Um, the, the um, person's permission before you share the video. And whatever you do, if you are taking a video of somebody, don't put a really horrible filter on it so that they look ridiculous when in actual fact <laughs> they look young, fresh and very glamorous. Oh, did I put the middle-aged filter on? You put on? the middle-aged filter on, yeah. <laughs> so this week we're profiling an academic, Ed Edgar Henry Shine, I think it's pronounced. Is that what we're going for? I That's what I would read it as that s-c-h-e-i-n shine and yeah. we apologize if we got that wrong edgar he was born in 1928 and he's a former professor of mit sloan school of management and he's uh, the society of sloan fellows professor of management emeritus whatever that means he's quite big in the academic circles he investigates organizational culture process consultation research process career dynamics and organization learning and change he's got a bphil from the university of chicago a ba and an ma in social psychology from stanford university and a phd in social psychology from harvard so yes this week we're profiling an academic with quite a long list of publications to his name Heather, this was my suggestion because I feel I felt like we hadn't done an academic for a little while. Hmm. So, what did you'd not heard of Edgar Shine before? No, no, no. He certainly wasn't on my radar. Um, it, yeah, it, not an. I mean, he was born in 1928. Uh, not an awful lot of material about him as an individual, but quite a lot about his research and his studies and his um, his views and opinions. Uh, which are all very, very interesting. Um, he's written quite a few books. Uh, the the one thing that really caught my eye was when, so as we usually do, we you know we'll we'll Google these people and you st Wikipedia is the first thing that comes up. And so in, in the right hand side, it said responsible for brainwashing. Oh, so okay, right responsible for brainwashing that's not something i ever want to be said about me <laughs> anyway when i clicked on the link it took me to some studies that he did um with a guy called robert lifton and they were talking about how um in the korean war 
uh, brainwashing was a, a, was a thing. The idea was that uh, Chinese communists had found a way uh, to to cause deep and permanent behavioural changes in prisoners of war, and so they they researched this um, in the sixties. In the sixties, yes, yeah. Um, in fact, uh, there was a film I haven't seen it called The Mancurian Candidate, in which a soldier was turned into an assassin through brainwashing, um, and so this whole concept was right. featured um, in in that film. Um, but basically, their findings were that they. It, you can't actually brainwash people. You might be able to change their behaviours uh, and influence their behaviours, but but the idea of brainwashing, where you could, people can have a total personality transplant effectively, um, although it's still known as a... Um, it's a word that is used regularly from a psycho psych psychologist's point of view. Uh, it's more about persuasion and coercion rather than actual brainwashing so i sort of went down a bit of a rabbit hole on that because that was one of his earliest publications wasn't it then yeah because he yes because he well he was born in 28 so yeah and he's still well his, his, his most recent book was yeah the most recent books are a series called the the humble series mm. um they're, they're, i've looked at those uh, hum, humble leadership the power of relationships openness and trust was published just last year um and humble consulting how to provide real help faster just two years before that and there's another one called humble inquiry they're interesting because what they're looking at is, well, humble inquiry is defined as the fine art of drawing someone out, of of asking questions to which you do not already know the answer and of building a relationship based on curiosity and interest in the other person. And the book um, Humble Consulting is, is how consultants um, can use um, this way of uh, questioning to deal with complex, systematic, constantly changing organisational problems. And it's talked about creating relationships of trust and openness and, and actually really getting to know somebody as you know on that personal trust mm. relationship so that's where the humble side comes from that and he's done quite a few talks if you want to hear the guy speak and actually I should have paid attention when they talked gave his name at the beginning of these talks because I've watched two so um and they will have mentioned how to pronounce his surname so there's one on humble leadership and it's a talk uh, at Google so that Google have these videos that they do and um they, they make them available to the world but they're um they're chats they're described as fireside chats at google's mountain view office and they, they talk to thought leaders and here he talks about humble leadership to the vp of people development at google and that that's on youtube there's also uh, one on humble consulting that, that's um he's talking to barrett cola uh, about the new book uh, so this was in 2015. And he's, he talks about humble. He says, humble because I'm humble in the face of complexity and also humble with respect to honouring the fact that the client is the one who owns the problem and I have to be helpful and not overbearing. And he, he says how you have to have curiosity, caring and commitment to be a good coach. Would you agree, Heather? Well, definitely. And going back to the book that I mentioned in the discovery section, 
you know, that's very much what this book talks about. You know, you've got to be present for the individual, but it's about it's about them. It's not about you. Yeah. It's about and that, being that's where the humble side and, comes from. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Earlier, back in the 80s, um, he's got the shined model of organisational mm. culture, which I, I do believe I've touched on previously in, in some educational establishment or other but it wasn't fresh in my mind uh, three distinct levels of organizational cultures artifacts and behaviors espoused values and assumptions which i think that that writing is still valid in in um, the modern world as well so modern world 1980s the ancient world in the ancient <laughs> world yeah and and it's certainly true but, i mean he he has a sort of inverted pyramid and he has the assumptions at the bottom which are basically you know the taken for granted behaviors that we usually um, demonstrate to one another you know so that's the absolute linchpin that's deeply ingrained deeply yeah. ingrained and it's it's almost like a no-brainer and then you have the values of the organization and rules of behavior uh, and then up upon that then you start to look at um, the more tangible things within an organization and how the environment if affects the the organization itself so it's uh, it's classic it's not rocket science but it does just remind you, oh, hang on a minute. If you get one of these wrong, yeah. then you've got an imbalance and then things stop. St and you can't have, if you remove the bottom bit, you know, those fundamental codes of conduct. Doesn't and, matter how many artifacts you, exactly. you throw into the office. Yeah, you can have a state-of-the-art building, you know, with with all the, you know all sorts of gizmos and gadgets. But if everybody isn't just working on the, these are the basic tenets of, us as human beings then it, it's it's going to fall apart so inter more interesting than i thought it was going to be yeah and i also one last thing to pick up for me is that career anchors did you read about that from research in the I, 70s i well i did but go, yeah go yeah on. i mean i haven't got a lot of detail on it but i think it's one worth pursuing if um if, if you're interested in, in this type of research, um, a career anchor is one's self-concept and consists of one's perception of your talents and abilities, your basic values and your perceptions of motives and needs as they pertain to your career. It's really quite interesting um, that you consider some of the depth of the stuff that you went into, five possible career anchor constructs. So autonomy and independence, security and stability, technical functional competence, general managerial competence, entrepreneurial creativity. And then later he added on three additional ones, service or dedication to a cause, pure challenge and lifestyle. So if, if you're involved in that field or, or you're just interested from a personal development point of view, then it's worth digging into some of his publications. And that, again, maps back onto the book that, <coughs> that I was talking about earlier. When you think about what motivates people and when you're trying to draw stuff out of people, whether it's a potential client or whether it's a member of your team, these are the things that people use to reference their you know their perception of how good they are whether they have autonomy etc etc so uh yeah it all kind of joins up quite nicely yeah. so that's edgar henry shine and that's the end of show 100 Heather. 100 100 shows. We, have we got a cake 
Uh, we uh, we had a small cake oh, earlier we did on. Have small yeah. Cake, yeah, we didn't have candles or no, anything. No, we should have done one hundred shows. So I hope you've enjoyed. And if you want to catch up on all of the hundred shows plus our chat splats and plus some compilation shows, you can find them all on our website. And we're also syndicated through Apple and whatever other um, podcasting software that you use. So plenty to catch up on. We'll be back um, in two weeks' time show 101 we had to take a break i mean show 100 is just really taking it out of us yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that's all we've got time for this week thanks very much for joining us you've been listening to the business community with me heather noble and me tracy jones join us next week for more news views and reviews from the world of business 